Hey friends, I'm a really big fan of what I call unbusy or keeping things simple, the no hustle culture, especially for small business owners. But the other day, <laughs> I heard someone list off a ton of ways to stay super, super busy. And as you can imagine, staying super busy on the wrong kinds of activities. And all this busyness leads to, guess what? Not having enough time to focus on the right activities to grow your business. But I thought it was really a fun idea. So I spent a few minutes and I came up with 46 ways to stay super busy all year long. However, I've also made a few quick suggestions to combat these, you know, hustle activities. And I'd love for you, as you listen to this podcast, and I promise to keep it short, mark down which ones you can stop doing in 2024. Hey, welcome to the Work Less Profit More Business podcast for business leaders who want to stop being that chief everything officer. Hi, I'm Diana Lidstone, business strategist known for my straight talk, no BS, and simple small business strategies and mindset shifts that help my clients work fewer hours while making more profit. You see, the truth is business owners who earn 10 times more do not work 10 times harder. So if you're a lawyer, financial advisor, real estate investor, accountant, or other business owner who feels trapped in the day-to-day -day running of your business, then welcome aboard. Each week, I promise to share insights on how to become the true leader of your business, the true CEO, without working harder. You can have the freedom you desire. Like I said, I created this list of 46 ways that you can stay super busy during 2024. And as I go along, I'm gonna share some insights about very quickly about how you can change from super busy to being very productive and creating a sustainably profitable business. Are you ready? Okay, number one, keep unprofitable, low-paying clients in your business. Number two, constantly create custom service offers for every single client. And I see this so much in the consulting business. Number three, underprice your work. Well, how do you know you're underpricing your work? So here's 10 signs that maybe it's time to raise your rates. Number one, you haven't raised your prices in the last year or maybe ever. You're in high demand, which means maybe you've got a waiting list. You've taken on in the last year or so more training or experience. You're working just too friggin' hard. You're low priced or middle of the market. You've improved your product or service offering. Your clients tell you you're a great deal. <laughs> your expenses have increased. And number nine, you know you're worth more than you're charging. So if you've listened this far, number 10 is maybe you think you should raise your prices. All right. So we've talked about three. Now we're up to number four. You accept any client that kind of knocks on your door from any industry because you want the money. Number five is you attack, I mean, literally attack various marketing channels at the same time. You're just all over the board. You don't know where to spend your time and you're being super busy. Number six is you go to all these networking events, as many as you can fit into your calendar. But here's a tip. Networking events, although they are 
low cost, they are low ROI, return on investment in most cases, unless you become the speaker. Because at networking events, you're shaking hands one-on-one. But as the speaker, you've got the attention. You stand on the stage, you grab the attention of everybody. So it becomes a one-to-many. Number seven, I see this all the time. You keep your email or your Slack or your Teams or whatever it is open all day long. Number 12, you're constantly getting CC'd on all email communications of your team inside and outside. Stop it. Let your team do their work. Number nine, you don't seek help when you encounter challenges. So you stay second-guessing yourself. You stay stuck. You stay on that hamster wheel of self-doubt. I've been there, done that. Number 10, you keep your calendar open five days a week and you let people book meetings with you anywhere on your calendar. Stop doing that. Number 11, you have a hard time delegating because you feel you need to do it all yourself. Number 12, you only hire junior team members. And what do I mean by that? You're going for the cheapest instead of the best. Number 13, maybe you're setting poor expectations for your team. Maybe you don't give them guidelines. You know, maybe they aren't clear on exactly how, how much they're supposed to do. Maybe they're not clear on what's a good day for them. In order to combat this, every team member should have a metric so that they know that they've done a really good job. Here's number 14. You bill for your services only after they are completed. Let me tell you, you don't work with me like that. If you want to work with me, you've got to pay in advance, right? And then you book your time. Here's number 15. You're using paper, which means you're not virtual. You know, and since COVID, So many businesses have adopted the technology to go virtual. I mean, if my 93-year-old stepmother can pay her bills online, most people can figure out how to use Zoom. So stop using so much paper. Number 60, you accept any kind of work, even if you're not familiar with it. And you'll say, like, you know, there's a voice in your back of your head, your itty-bitty shitty committee says, well, I'll figure that out. No, become a master at your skills, the kind of work that you're really good at. Find your zone of genius. Number 17, you schedule routine weekly meetings, perhaps with your team, but with no set agenda. Create an agenda and follow it. Number 18, you don't have any documented processes. Everything, you're winging it, right? Documented processes, automation, uh, SOPs are what is going to give you the freedom. Even something as simple as having email templates can be called a process. Number 19, you let clients dictate how the work should be completed. No, you're the boss. You're the prize. As I heard someone say recently, you dictate how you are going to complete the work. Number 20, you sell your services in a different way with each prospect. To me, this would indicate that you have no standardized sales process. Maybe you don't have what I call a flagship framework, like my GROW equation. So my GROW equation shows people in pictures and in step-by-step what we are going to work on together. 
Okay. So people know exactly what it's going to be. That makes you look so much more professional. 21, you don't screen your prospects before taking sales calls. I remember doing this, but I soon learned that I would set up a series of what I call qualification questions, and that ruled out the wrong types of clients. 22, you onboard your clients without an onboarding checklist, without maybe a contract, without knowing here's the step-by-step. People love to know what's going to happen next. 23, you hire team members with the wrong attitude. And what I mean by that is they don't fit your culture or the core values that your company stands for. Number 24, you have this need to be the controller or the decision maker on every single thing in your business. That's a hint that You aren't trusting your team and you haven't trained your team and your team doesn't have the processes in place to be able to do it to the level that you expect. 25, this goes back to another one. You require your clients to drop papers off at your office for signature, which leads to number 26. You require your clients to sign documents in person. You accept meetings from anyone who requests one. That was number 27. And When I teach my clients and what I'm going to start reteaching in my planning sessions is something that I call the model agenda. It's time to set boundaries about when you will do meetings, when you will be doing podcast recordings, when you will be writing. It's called batching. Number 28, you put up with difficult clients, the energy sucking vampires, fire them. You don't need them. There's lots of other really good clients out there in the world. Number 29 is you don't have a plan of attack. You're kind of winging it. You don't know how you're going to get more clients. You don't know how or when you're going to put processes in place. You have no strategy. Now, one of the things that I see often, especially at this time of year, is people set goals, but they don't have the action steps to turn those goals into things that they've already completed. So there's no action steps, there's no deadlines, there's no milestones. Number 30, you don't have any set goals. Well, you know, what can I tell you? That's going to cause you to spend too much time. I believe it was Brian Tracy who said, for every minute of planning, you save 10 minutes in execution. Multiply that out, see what happens. Number 31, You're going to be spinning your wheels if you don't have a clear written vision for your business. I can't emphasize enough about that one. Number 32, you ignore the technological developments taking place, especially those in your industry. What are the new technologies that people are using? Whether you're a lawyer, a financial advisor, whatever it happens to be, there's new ones coming out all the time. 33, you hire team members only when you're in a capacity crunch. One of the tough things about hiring is to hire for the future. And usually the pushback I get on that is, but I don't have the money. You know, if you hire when you're at capacity, when you're full up, that's when you won't be able to do your best work or your team won't be able to do your best work. That's when you're going to lose clients. Then it's costing you money. Number 34, you hire team members with no customer service skills. Your customers want to be treated like gold. You've got to wow them. You've got to delight them. That's what keeps them coming back. 
Number 35, you hire team members with great skills, but poor attitudes. Yeah, all it takes is one rotten apple in the basket to spread poor attitudes. 36, you ignore upskilling your team. What do I mean? By perhaps giving credits for expanded learning, personal development, and they say stuck, they get bored, and then they leave. Number 37, you lack any kind of employee onboarding process. Now, you'll notice that I've probably been talking a lot about employees and teams. And when I'm talking about that, I could be, you know, a part-time contractor, like a VA, a bookkeeper, whatever it happens to be. You still need these processes in place because every time you have to rehire for that position, you're wasting time. Number 38, you make sure you're spending time on administrative tasks. You know, I've talked many times about the five entrepreneurial tasks and the lowest paying tasks are administrative tasks, but the highest paying tasks are those where you're driving the sales, you're driving the marketing for your business. Hire somebody for administration. 39, you spend as much time with clients rather than working on your business. As the CEO of your business, your job is not to spend a lot of time with clients. If you do, they should be paying high ticket for that time with you. Number 40, you'll multitask as much as you can. Guess what? Multitasking is an oxymoron. It only decreases your productivity. 41, you handle your least important work during your most productive times. So ask yourself, when am I the most productive? Morning, p.m.? I know I'm the most productive first thing in the morning. So let's say nine to about 11. Most days of my calendar, you cannot book time with me because that's when I'm working on my business. And after three o'clock, I quit at three o'clock. Okay, so set some boundaries. Know when you are the most productive. 42, minimize costs. Costs expenses. What things are costing you money? And it could be things that you're doing repeatedly. It could be subscriptions that you don't have. What costs and expenses could you minimize? Number 43. I see this so often and I was guilty of it when I first started my coaching business. I scheduled one hour meetings with prospects. One hour. That's a lot of time. Truth is now within 15 or 20 minutes, I know whether this is an ideal prospect for me. The prospect knows whether they, you know, are a right fit to work with me. And then we get on with it. We close the deal. Number 44, all clients get unlimited access to you. Nope, nope, nope. Access to you, the CEO, should be the highest ticket item that you have. Okay. Number 45, you spend time on things that don't move the needle in your business. And when I thought about this, you know, how often do you sign up and watch endless free webinars? Does that really move the needle for you? Or you download endless freebies and lead magnets from so-called gurus, and then your email inbox gets filled up with all these emails, right? That's not moving the needle. And number 46, which is the last one in the series, is that you never unplug. You never take an unplugged vacation, you never rest, and you don't prioritize self-care. So my friends, there we are. I'm curious which of these struck a chord with you. Which of these did you feel that, you know, 
maybe you could stop doing this year. So here's a couple of suggestions for you. I'm just going to run through them quickly. Number one, conduct your own time audit. Where do you spend your time? This really reveals patterns and highlights areas where you might not be as productive as you could. Number two, assess return on investment. Every task or activity, is it getting the results that you want? What are those results? Have you actually quantified them? Number three is prioritize core goals. So what are the most highly valued activities for you that contribute directly to your business growth? Number four is evaluate the impact of your marketing. This should be ongoing, right? Going to all these networking events, how many clients does it actually generate? Can you identify those clients? Can you put a number to it? And then could you tally up all the hours that you spent and see whether it's really worth it? Number five is evaluate technology and tools. There's so many platforms and softwares that you could use, but make sure that you're streamlining all of these to enhance your efficiency and don't have multiple softwares doing the same thing. Number six is evaluate the impact of multitasking, right? Multitasking is, like I said before, it's an oxymoron. It is not a time-saving strategy. So it very often produces low quality outcomes. So how can you stop multitasking? How can you streamline your focus to enhance productivity? So those are just a couple of suggestions. I hope this episode for you has been valuable. It's really just kind of a poking fun at, you know, where I have been in the past. <laughs> and I'm sure that some of you have been as well. So thanks for listening to the Work Less Profit More Business Podcast, where weekly you'll get business tips, strategies, and resources to help you work less and profit more. Until next week, remember, you can do this. Bye for now.